Waking up, it's never more than a couple of seconds before it washes back over me. What's real? Wham. A sucker punch to the gut. Anger sits there with an evil grin. Misery is beside it, weighing me down like a brick. Three weeks since my dad left and my mother and I moved into her great-aunt Adelaide's house. Former great-aunt. It's freezing here. Mid-year holidays, the depth of winter. My fingers are so cold I can't make a fist. The windows have to stay open because of the smell. Heaters are emergency use only, because of finances. The only time I thaw out is in bed, and it takes ages, because the world of electric blankets is past tense. There is six bedrooms here, including the one Adelaide actually died in. That door stays shut. Choosing my room was easy. I went for the one that stinks least. I've been spending a whole lot of time in bed since we moved in. It's like my body is telling me to hibernate, and I'm listening. It should make for a riveting essay on what I did in the school holidays. It turns out that we don't even own this house, either. What my mother has inherited is a lifetime use of the house. When she dies, it goes to the Historic Homes Trust, not to me. So if she dies any time soon, I'm on the streets, or back with my father. I guess that'd force us onto speaking terms, at least. Pity she can't sell the house, it'd be worth heaps. I've checked out the window of the local real estate agent. To make the inheritance even more oddball, there's some guy who gets to live out back, in the old stables building. That's in the will too, apparently. We haven't met him yet. He's away. My mother's not exactly thrilled with the arrangement, but it's like she says, at least we've got a roof over our heads, which is more than we would have had. We don't have a cent left. We won't even have a car when the lease runs out at the end of the month. As if we could afford to fill it up with petrol anyway. There was a chance that Adelaide might have left my mother some cash, but no such luck. She left her money to the National Gallery, which I doubt needs it as much as we do. The only thing the lawyer handed over when we went to see him was a black ebony jewellery box. My mother's eyes lit up, but I could see the lawyer felt apologetic, so I knew she wouldn't find what she was rummaging for. Who got the diamonds? she asked, finally. A local shopkeeper. That'd be right, my mother said. The box contained glass beads, clear with white streaks a wooden spool of orange thread, some cardboard train tickets, nine small gold safety pins, a few copper one and two cent coins, and a handful of little carved insects and animals. I believe these had sentimental value, he asked, sympathy leaking from his pinstripes. My mother smiled. I played with them when I was little. I used to line them up along the windowsill. Good times. Thank God I wasn't a kid back then. The lawyer cleared his throat, fiddled with the cuff, and snuck a look at his watch. No doubt he had other clients out there awaiting disappointment. Would you be interested in contesting the will? He asked. Certainly not. Adelaide had a perfectly sound mind. The lawyer looked quietly pleased. You wouldn't think so, because it would have meant more money for him, but I could tell he thought my mother's response was honourable. So did I. We get to keep the dog too, Howard. Though, strictly speaking, on the inheritance ledger, that's a minus because we have to feed him. Being honourable obviously didn't stop.